You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prame. Eric Scopel is with me always. It's your Monday edition of the podcast coming off Oregon's ninth straight win of the football season. They beat Arizona 34 to 6 at home, uh, November 16th. Uh, a crowd of 54,219 were there. Uh, Oregon is 7 and 0 in conference play. Uh, and most importantly, and something, Eric, that I think tells you a lot of the, the maturity of this team and the goals of this team is that Oregon won the Pac-12 North this past weekend and it was a blip on the radar. With speaking with the players, I mean, obviously Cristobal was talk, talked a little bit about that accomplishment, but for the players' perspective, it, it was a, a, a very small antidote of Saturday night's win. Yeah, it was kind of interesting reflecting on that because it is the first time in about five years that they've done this, and it's it is a significant thing. I mean, the, the Pac-12 North champion ha, has been a really good football team for a while it, it takes a lot to get there especially to win it with two games remaining like they have and lock right. it up and really it, and maybe part of it is that it's been pretty clear for a while they were going to do this but now they finally have so maybe they kind of already I don't want to say they moved past from it but it, it didn't feel quite as significant as I think either of us thought it it may feel and I, but I think it also just speaks to the way this team is operating in general just like uh, there are bigger picture things they're focusing on. Actually, I think the thing Cristobal said that really stood out was like, our goal today was to be one and know that this just happened to be, uh, you know, something else that kind of came along with the win. So, you know, I think the, the goal was to beat Arizona. It just so happened to coincide um, with the Pac-12 North Championship. And obviously that's a huge accomplishment for a program, which not too long ago was nowhere near, uh, being able to do this kind of thing. So, and, and players, are, I, I think one of the things that it's done is that both Justin Herbert, I think I heard Troy Dye say something similar where we're like, you know, when we first got here, this felt not, not like it was impossible, but it felt sure like it was a pretty far distance for, from us because they were four and eight that season. They really weren't competitive in a lot of the games. Um, and to be at this point now where not only have they turned the script and are now the champions, but to be 7-0 and and have won a lot of these games pretty lopsidedly like they did on Saturday, I think kind of speaks to the just general transition this program has made from uh, obviously really, really good early 2010s, uh, coaching change, kind of some down years, another coaching change, and now a huge uh, step in the right direction where, like we'll talk about in this podcast, there's a chance that they're going to be playing in the college football playoff. Uh, the, the Ducks clinched the Pac-12 North for the first time since 2014. They're off to a 7-0 start in conference play for the first time since 2012. Uh, they're the best, they're the first team in the Pac-12 to start the league 7-0 since Stanford did it in 2015. Uh, the current nine-game winning streak is the fourth longest nationally, meaning the only, uh, teams who have longer winning streaks are the undefeated teams. Uh, this season. And that, that would be Ohio State, that would be LSU, and that would be Clemson. Uh, Oregon's on its longest winning streak since a nine game stretch during the 2014 season. They've won 12 of their last 13 games. Dating back to last season, uh, Mario Cristobal has improved to 12 and 1 in games at Austin Stadium. I think that's a very underrated stat with, with Cristobal. Uh, and Oregon's on an eight-game conference win streak. It's longest since winning nine straight league games between 2011 and 2012. 
Uh, and that sets up a, a run now for Oregon in the final two games of the regular season in which they could, they could push that to 10 games, which would be its, its longest win streak since I don't know when, but further than 2011. I would guess back to that 2010 season, or sorry, 2009 season when they yeah. were undefeated in the regular season and then carrying over to the next year would be my guess on that. Um, certainly, uh, um, just this win streak in general is is really impressive, and the fact that you look up at the schedule and with Arizona State and Oregon State played on Saturday, and Oregon State won that game, and uh, to me that says that this game at Arizona State this weekend, which again all year we were kind of pointing to this being maybe that kind of funky game at the very end of the tunnel. I know Matt preseason picked the Sun Devils to beat Oregon, kind of with that in mind of like, okay, Oregon's not going to have lost a game; they're going to be all coming into this game kind of riding some momentum and weird things happen in Tempe sometimes and this could be a weird one but just the way Arizona State has looked really the last five or six games like I, they, they don't really look like a team that is capable of beating Oregon unless Oregon beats itself and Oregon State really does feel like the most dangerous team left obviously at this point after having beat Arizona State heads up um, they're second in the Pac-12 North and it's been kind of a weird season in terms of well, I think I think the teams we looked at preseason as being the ones that could challenge Oregon on the back end are not necessarily the teams that feel that way right now, which is strange because I don't think there was much confidence at all that that Oregon State was going to be really remotely competitive in this game. And now I go into the Civil War in a couple of weeks, probably thinking they might give Oregon its best shot of the last two or three teams they play. Yeah, I I, I think Arizona State could could be difficult, but they've kind of. My impressions, my feelings on that team has has changed since the beginning of the season, since their run uh, when they started out the year pretty strong. Um, still could be a trap game. They still play a tough defense. But let's go back to Arizona uh, for a second here. Yeah. Your grades were released um, on the site on DuckTerritory.com. I wrote a story about it after the game was over. That I walked out of Autzen feeling like Oregon didn't necessarily play like a B level game, and yet they still found a way to win by 28. They didn't hold, uh, Arizona didn't find the end zone for a touchdown, and they had less than 300 yards of total offense. Oregon had almost 500 yards of total offense. Yeah, I, I walked away feeling like, like, that was good, but like, that wasn't even close to being their best. And I think that's what's, for me, what's exciting about that win is that, they're getting to the point now where they're playing at a level where their their average play can still blow teams out, and that's the sign of a good team in my mind. Yeah, I, I gave the team a B letter grade just overall. Um, I, I think you know, and I wrote about it, and, and a lot of what you just said is kind of what I felt too. Of like they did, I mean, they they reached a lot of the checkpoints. You know, they they crossed off a lot of the. The things you want to see in terms of they they did reach a certain number of points they did uh, defensively obviously I think that was even better than either of us had anticipated they uh, gained a ton of yards they had the big plays but there still felt something that was kind of off in the game so yeah I went overall great I gave them a B I gave the offense a B plus the defense an A and the special teams I gave a C minus um, because as I'm sure anybody who watched the game is aware there was some really poor play on special teams there's probably Honestly, the worst special teams game maybe of the season in terms of they miss a field goal from 20 yards out. They miss an extra point. They've got two Arizona touchdown drive, or sorry, field goal drives that are basically aided by penalties on Oregon's special teams at the back end of returns. So 
that to me felt like an area that was really kind of uh, clearly not up to par. It was pretty disappointing there. But like, yeah, overall, it didn't. It wasn't the best we've seen Oregon play, and maybe that's part of the reason that we're kind of feeling this way. Is you go back and you think they just came off this game against USC where they looked awesome on both sides of the ball, and they were really, really dialed in, especially in that second half. And this game, maybe in part because there weren't like the big turnovers, there weren't those plays defensively. Um, it just didn't quite feel as significant. And I also think in part because it was Arizona, who Oregon was expected to beat really handily. I mean, they were favored by four scores coming in. They ended up covering the spread. It just didn't feel like quite as um, satisfying in terms of how they covered. At the same time, I thought Justin Herbert was great. I gave him an A grade. I thought basically the whole defense was really, really strong, especially up front. I mean, for the secondary has been kind of what has led this defense most of the season. But I thought the front seven was just fantastic in terms of, Six tack or six sacks, nine tackles for loss. I think four quarterback hurries. They were in the backfield all, basically all the time. Um, Arizona's offensive line had basically no chance, and um, that's an area that they'll need to continue to be strong with, especially when they play Utah in the Pac-12 Conference Championship game, uh, because that's a that's a that's a game that probably will be won in the trenches. So you need your best there. Um, but like I said, all in all, I think a strong performance, but maybe kind of weighed down by expectations of, of kind of what they'll do against not a very good opponent. How much do you think that performance kind of goes to the fact that Oregon was coming off a bye week? Yeah. Emotional three straight stretch of games before this game, uh, and in which Oregon also jumped out to an early 14-0 lead, and you know you, you could conceivably say, oh well, you know the route's on. Like they're gonna they're gonna just roll over and Arizona's gonna die. Like how much do you feel like this was just you know an aberration or was was there any kind of concern with that? You think? I'm, I don't, I didn't I didn't take anything that I was too. I mean I think the only thing I came away concerned by was just Camden Lewis in terms of place kicking. I think we felt better about where that was at after the Washington State game. Obviously where he kicks the game winner and makes a couple other kicks, but um, he was not sharp at all on Saturday, and I think that has to continue to be a concern because. He, I don't necessarily think that the Arizona State or the Oregon State games will, will come down to Camden Lewis's leg, but Pac-12 Conference Championship sure as might. I mean, that's, that could very well be a game where a, a kick here or a missed kick there could kind of determine things. Um, but, like, all, all in all, um, I, I do think that, that maybe that there is, and I don't want to question kind of like the mental makeup of this team about, like, maybe sure. they were co- coasting, but, like, I do think when you get up seven points, like 20 seconds into a football game, with, the, with a play like that that is so demoralizing. I, I, mean, I honestly felt like once that play happened, not to say that I discounted the next, like, 59 and a half minutes of the game, but when, when that play happens, especially with all of that you know Arizona is going to need to do to come back and beat this team, um, I, I, I actually was kind of like, oh, wow, the game's over almost, like <laughs> 30 seconds into the game. And, right. I, I, and I don't want to say the Oregon players felt that way, but it makes sense that there might have been a little bit of like, well, we know the team we're playing is pretty bad. They've lost four straight games. Uh, they're not going to be probably able to keep pace with us because of this defense. Well, we're up 7 nothing, and, and kind of the rest of the game's in front of us. And there were some possessions where they probably should have scored more points, but there were also some possessions where they just weren't very sharp offensively, I think. And that was maybe where it was kind of frustrating. Of like, there was no consistency to it, which is the word I think Cristobal said in terms of there were inconsistencies offensively. But like, you also just look at it. They never, they didn't have two straight touchdown scoring drives the whole game. Um, you know, each time they scored a touchdown, it was either a punt or a turnover or a missed chip shot field goal that follows it. So you never really got that momentum of like, you know, adding points, adding points, adding points. And so I think that played into it. But the defense really may be one of their better, their better games, even though that Arizona offense is 
um, not as good as I thought they'd be. It didn't really matter who was that quarterback. I really thought there'd be more scoring from Arizona's side, but again, credit to Oregon's defense for, for making a lot of stops. Yeah, I think that was a really good sign for Oregon is that it, Arizona's offense has shown no matter who's at quarterback, whether it's Grant Gunnell or whether it's Khalil Tate, that they could put up points, they could move the ball, and for a night in Austin Stadium in mid-November, they could do virtually nothing against this Oregon defense. And it was, I walked away feeling like this was a total team effort defensively. It wasn't like one or two guys really just dominated the game and everyone else just played solid. Like Oregon had good contributions from a lot of guys. Troy Dye led the team in tackles. He had a one sack, a forced fumble as well. Brady Breeds was second on the team in tackles in the start. He played a majority of the game with seven. Uh, Bryson Young and Lamar Winston, I thought, were were very instrumental in containing Khalil Tate once he got into the game at quarterback. Young finished with seven tackles, a tackle and a half for loss. He had half a sack. Uh, Michael Wright, you know, they tested him. He performed well. Kayvon Thibodeau, he had two sacks, three tackles for loss. Uh, Thomas Graham had a pass breakup. Austin Folio had half a sack. Uh, Jordan Scott was, was pretty instrumental up in the middle. Um, overall though, just a really good, good game from, from Oregon defensively. And I think that's where I really liked what I saw from that group is, you know, this was a total team effort and that's what it's going to take. When Oregon's playing like they did on Saturday defensively, that's when they, they do those, you know, stupid statistics where they don't allow a touchdown in a football game. And this is like what, the, the fifth time this season yeah. they've done that? I mean, that's just, that's bonkers. Yeah, and again, against an Arizona offense, which even in their losing streak had been scoring a lot. I mean, you look back to that that game with Oregon State, they still scored 38 points. I mean, it was just the defense that was a problem for them that game. The offense hadn't really been the issue for for the Wildcats. And, and again, Oregon, regardless of which quarterback was out there, and, and honestly, you could the, the the offenses felt almost different. It almost was like facing two different offenses depending on who's in the quarterback. When Grant Gunnell's in there, it's air raid. They're throwing the ball over. You know, they're trying to throw it every time when. Cool Tate's in there. It's a ton of zone read. It's a you know it's it's almost like a, a, a you know a run attack as opposed to them trying to throw the football almost at all. Um, and, and I thought Oregon defended either of them really really well, which was a testament to I think the preparation from Andy Avalos and all the other defensive coaches this week, um, and also to the players for for just kind of understanding a couple different schemes really really well. And uh, that game right there, I think is yeah like like you said, it's a sign of just how how well this group has come together. And in a game where Oregon is leading the country in forcing turnovers, they didn't force a single turnover. And I think that's been a big part of what they've done all season is, is they're very timely with, with getting interceptions, with forcing fumbles, et cetera. They didn't have any against Arizona, which is probably a little surprising. I think we both expected that they'd force a couple turnovers in this game, given the quarterback issues for Arizona. But it didn't seem to matter. Uh, you know, Arizona really, I mean, I wrote it in the story on Saturday. Like, the, the only time Arizona really threatened was because Oregon added 15 yards on a couple of returns that gave Arizona a pretty darn good field position right at the end of the half. And even in those situations, they were forced to kick field goals. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, wrap up the show. You're listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always. Uh, Micah Pittman. We needed to, we needed to address this. Um, we don't know the severity of the injury. We don't know the timeline, but I think it's safe to say that he's done for the year. Or if he's not done for the year, he's not going to play until the bowl game. He suffered, Crystal Ball said, some kind of arm injury. Uh, I think it was in the, in the first half of that football game, uh, against Arizona. And this is unfortunate because he, he got a first down. He was fighting for extra yards, fighting for a touchdown. He was really close. And that's what you want from a guy. You, when, when you have the ball, you want to fight for the yards. You want to be the, the aggressor. You don't want to, you know, bounce outside. But at the same time, fighting for the extra yards allowed him to, to get kind of tangled up. And another Arizona defender came and hit him. And unfortunately for him, his arm just took the blunt of the hit. And it doesn't look like uh, he's going to play for the foreseeable future. He's tweeted out an apology, which I have no, that makes no sense to me. No, no sense for him to apologize, young man. Like you, you, you played hard and you got hurt. Like that's not, nothing of your fault. That nothing happened that's your fault on that play. So yeah. I, that needs to be communicated to, to Micah that you didn't screw up. Um, unlucky situation for him. Unfortunately for Oregon, they've got to move on and. We'll get full, we'll probably get a full understanding of Cristobal's injury at a later time. They, we record this podcast. But impact, let's just assume the, the likelihood that Pittman's done for the regular season. Impact that receiver now that he's out for the last two games of the season. And on top of that, now Brennan Schooler's not on the roster because he transferred. It's really unfortunate. And the timing of it stinks too, uh, just in terms of like, you're in the stretch run here and, and, and I know we've, like we've said, that the, the quality of competition these next couple of weeks might not be great, but you're still going to be looking for somebody to fill that role over these games and there's not going to be a ton of time in practice. Like you would have loved to have had, not that you ever want an injury to have happen, but if you could have had a bye week this week, you'd feel a little better in terms of figuring kind of that position group out and I think Oregon's still going to be in pretty decent shape. Like, Jawan Johnson, Johnny Johnson, and Jalen Red have looked really, really good basically the last three or four games. It's kind of the team's top trio at wide receiver. I know Pittman's made some plays in there. There have been other guys. Spencer Webb has been really good at tight end. Uh, you know, caught his third touchdown on Saturday against Arizona as well. So they've been gotten contributions from other guys. But those, that big three of, of, uh, the two Johnsons and Jalen Red really have kind of carried that group. And I think I don't see any reason why that won't be the case down the stretch here. So I still think Oregon is going to be quote-unquote, fine in terms of, like, I still think they have the targets. I mean, Jawan Johnson is every, you know, he's more than I expected 
him to be this year. He has been every bit, I think, that anybody could have hoped in terms of these last couple of games. He's just kind of, he's been the guy for Herbert. And in a time where Herbert has had a couple other weapons go down or transfer or whatnot, um, he's been really vital in kind of filling in there. And, uh, you know, just a thought on, just quickly on Micah, it's like it stinks that he misses the first three games of the season because of injury. First four games, I should say, because of injury. Comes back, plays at such a high level. Um, still don't think we ever really saw him have that huge breakout game. I think he was capable. We, we, we predicted a couple times on our bold prediction podcast that he was going to have like 100 yards receiving or seven catches. He never really had a big game like that, but he ended up with 1400, or sorry, 14 catches, 197 yards, and two touchdowns in six games, which is a really solid start to a true freshman season. It's something he'll build off going forward. Uh, in terms of possible guys stepping in there uh, to replace his reps, now – uh, Josh Delgado feels kind of like the logical fill-in in terms of like he can probably play, well, not probably, he can play the slot. He can also play outside, which is what M- Micah was doing. Brian Addison is a player who was really critical when all those guys were injured. He was starting all the games. He was not a huge part, not a huge factor, I won't say, in the receiving game. He, he only has right now 13 catches for 152 yards and one touchdown, but certainly a capable player. And then I would look at Maybe this is more of an opportunity for like Lance Wilhoyt and J.R. Waters, two receivers who, as we've reported recently, are kind of rounding into form or practicing a little bit more of this past week. Um, following Rob Mosley's practice report, sounds like they both took part in the team's uh, scrimmage on Friday for the first time, uh, so the scrimmage being among scout team guys, kind of the developmental squad. Um, so that's positive. Maybe we see one of those guys actually – I don't want to say become major parts of the passing game. That seems like a lot to expect after they missed, you know, nine or ten games because of injury. But maybe one of those guys steps up and is a player that is at least out there and is capable of making contributions. Maybe it kind of opens the door for that. Um, but, again, it, it's a, it's really a bummer because I still think there is so much more for Micah Pittman. I think we'll see it. Unfortunately, it won't be until the 2020 season. Yeah, that's that's just the unfortunate aspects of playing a physical sport like football is that guys are going to get hurt. And unfortunately for, for Michael Pittman, his first year at Oregon, uh, is going to be set for injuries. Um, now let's look a little bit ahead towards Saturday night's game. It's a night game, but it's also not, you know, a, it's not a late night, right? Like it's a 4:30 kick. Pacific time, 5.30 Mountain time. Eric and I will both be there. Um, early thoughts, early concerns on this Sun Devil team? Well, you look at the way their season has gone, and it's actually pretty similar to the way Arizona's season went. You know, Arizona State started out 4-1. and one. They beat California. They beat Washington State. They lost to Colorado. Those are their first three conference games. And Colorado actually was the, the, the opener, and they lost by three at home. Things look pretty good, and it's just sort of fallen apart for them. Now, we should say they haven't gotten totally steamrolled in any of these conference games, right? They lost to Utah 21-3. That's a pretty respectable loss considering how much Utah's put it on everybody else. They lost to UCLA 42-32. Not a great loss. They lost to USC 31-26. Not a blowout, but it was a game that they trailed like 28-3 like after the first quarter, and they rallied and made it kind of competitive. And then they lost to Oregon State 35-34, and... This is a team that obviously is fighting for bowl eligibility, which means there's a lot on the line on Saturday in, in Tempe. Um, they're five and five right now. Uh, obviously, there's no chance that they're going to like win the conference or anything like that. They're only two and five in Pac-12 play, but they still have bowl game aspirations, and I'm sure they would love to pull an upset against Oregon. 
uh, and set themselves up for that. And just in terms of like this team, I think the the thing that's been interesting is is they rely on some young players, and at times those players have played at a really high level. But I think in these losses, you've kind of seen them come back a little bit. And I think Jade Daniels in particular, not that he's been just terrible, but he was actually pretty good the last game. But he's had some pretty rough moments during this losing streak, especially that game with Utah where he was four for eighteen. Uh, for 25 yards and an interception. Um, again, really good numbers actually against Oregon State. I hadn't looked at those that closely. 24 for 36, 334 yards, three touchdowns. Um, he's a very talented player, but he's also a true freshman. So you don't necessarily know what you're getting from Jaden Daniels. And he's probably the X factor in terms of when this Oregon team comes in here. I think Oregon is obviously going to be favored by a lot. I think I saw the preliminary line was like 16 points, which in terms of where these two teams are at right now, doesn't feel that unreasonable. Um, but if he can play at a high level and maybe make some big throws and make some big plays, he could make this interesting. We've also seen Oregon face now, this would be the third straight game they face a true freshman quarterback, right? I mean, they face Keaton Slovis, they face Grant Gunnell, who started against Oregon for Arizona, and now they're facing uh, Jaden Daniels. So they're facing some very young quarterbacks in the back end of the schedule, which sort of mirrors the way the season started, I think, to a certain extent. Remember, they faced a bunch of young, inexperienced quarterbacks early on, really picked those quarterbacks apart. And then with the defense started to have some kind of rough games was when they play, played some more experienced guys. Well, the more experienced guys are going to be at the back end when they play Oregon State with Jake Luton and then against Arizona, sorry, Utah when they play Tyler Huntley. But this week they will be playing another true freshman quarterback. I think that's a positive thing, but it's also a thing where he's a really talented true freshman quarterback with a ton of upside that I think is definitely the future of this Arizona State program. For me, I, I look at this game and I just look at, what kind of havoc can they create against a true freshman quarterback in Jalen Daniels? Yeah. Uh, like, are they able to get some turnovers in this football game? Are they able to maybe get into his head a little bit and speed up his internal clock and he rushed a few throws? Um, obviously containing a running back like Eno Benjamin is, is going to be important. I mean, Eno Benjamin is maybe not having the best statistical year in the conference like he did last year on the ground, but he's still one of uh, the best running backs in the league. He's got 801 yards, eight touchdowns. He's fifth in the conference in rushing yards as a junior. He's one of the best all-purpose players in the in this conference. And then uh, I, I, we're going to get a good look at an Arizona State receiver, uh, Brandon Ayuk, that's one of the best players at that position nationally. Uh, he is third in the conference in receiving yards with 964. He has seven touchdowns. Uh, he is third in the conference in average per yards per reception at 18 yards per reception. So he's a big play threat. Uh, he's going to be in the NFL next season. He's a senior. Uh, how they contain him. And then just how does, how does Oregon attack this defense? Because yeah. – uh, Herm Edwards has, has, has done a pretty good job since showing up, uh, last season and, and Arizona State's fourth in the conference in yards allowed per game. Uh, they're fourth in the conference in yards allowed, or yards per play allowed per game at 5.32. Um, their scoring defense is solid. Uh, they're fifth there at 23.5 points per game. They're, they're just a solid team. And so how does Oregon operate on the road? Game before the Civil War, playoff discussions going to be going on, rampant and all that. Uh, I don't think they're going to overlook this team, but just it's not going to surprise me a little bit if it's a little bit closer than 
the early spread indicates, and, and which, by the way, Eric, early spreads are out, and yeah. uh, are are you buying the fact that Oregon is going into this football game as a 14-and-a-half-point favorite? Well, I saw it originally at 16, so it's gone yes. down a little bit. Um, yeah, I am. I think Oregon can cover that. Um, just, again, the trajectories of the season, Oregon's on nine-game winning streak. Arizona State's lost four in a row, um, five of seven. Uh, I think Oregon is, is the better team. And, and again, I think I really do. And this is, this is kind of the same discussion we had last week about Arizona. It's like, I, I really don't see Oregon losing this game unless they just beat themselves. I, I don't think Arizona State's good enough to take Oregon on on its best day and beat them. I really don't. And so I think if Oregon comes out and plays their A game, I really think that they can, yeah, they can cover that spread and maybe they'll cover that spread. You know, two times over. Maybe they could win by four scores. I don't know. That's early on in the week, and and, and maybe throughout the week. Like a, like I always say, my my opinion sort of changes a little bit as the week goes on, as you learn more and more about the opponent. But I don't look at this game and see it as a game where, man, Oregon's going to be really lucky to to win this game. I, I think Oregon is the more talented team, and I, and I really am expecting um, a strong game here uh, on the road. It's it's not ever easy in Tempe, and Oregon fans know that from. From past games down there, they always seem like they're competitive. And Oregon has lost a couple of them recently. But I, I just look at this as a game where Oregon has so much momentum. There's so much riding on it. I would be shocked if this is a game Oregon doesn't win, and I'd be honestly shocked if it's a game that's super competitive late, just based upon the fact that Arizona State has struggled here down the stretch, and right. um, they're going to be motivated. They do have some good defensive players. They've got the young, um, exciting quarterback. But I don't necessarily look at this as a game where. Oregon needs to be like super, super worried about losing. At the same time, this is the next game on the schedule, and you know that this is going to be the one and no mentality for Oregon um, throughout the week. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. We'll talk to you later on this week with Mailbag Wednesday. We also have an interview set up where we'll talk with an Arizona State insider. We'll have our full preview as well on Friday, uh, and we'll get you all ready to go for this Arizona State-Oregon football game, which Eric and I will both be at. So, Eric Scopel, myself, Matt Prem, you've been listening to the Austin Audibles podcast. Adios, amigos.